God, God Almighty, it's, it's great to be able to come um, before you, before your throne, as a fellow brother, as a fellow uh, a sister in this congregation, to be able to just worship your name. Mm-hmm. I pray, God, that anything that I would perhaps share this afternoon would just be taken as that. We are likewise on a level playing field before our King. Mm-hmm. We are all just struggling through this life, trying to figure out how we can get closer to you. And I pray thank you so much for your mercy and kindness. And I pray that you bless the service and let these words and use me as a a vessel to get these words that you want to be able to share with people here today in a great way that can bring edification. I pray this in your son Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So, next. What was it that I was going to share about? Well, it was then that I remember being asked... To a couple of weeks ago, it's back to actually fill in and help with the preteens on a Sunday's class in the afternoon. Mm. Of course, as this was a very last minute type thing, because there was, and it was due to illness, I turned to my younger daughter and I asked her what, is, what she thought might be a great and good discussion point to start from. I did mention that her sister would be bringing on one of her friends. So she just turned to me and said, well... How about source conversion? So I said, okay. I turned this over in my mind. Um, as, then I, as we went on to pick up my eldest daughter with her friend from the park, because it was on the way through the church, and I mulled this over, and I knew that her friend had mentioned that she was a Christian, but that she hadn't been able to go to church recently with her family. Well, her family were Christians, but hadn't been to church. And that very often. It was then that I tried to piece together what Paul may have thought before he followed, when he, by following God, before he was actually a disciple of Jesus and rather a Pharisee, and after he became a Christian. So there I was during the singing, mainly rushing through the Bible, trying to get some scriptures together because I wasn't really that prepared for it. And luckily I landed on Acts, Acts 9, verse 1 to 15. I asked some of the kids to read the passages. So we paused after every three or odd verses and we tried to discuss the events as they unfolded. I began with questions at each point. So I'm going to figure out how to use this thing. Okay, we'll skip past the heading because I'll get to that later. Okay, of the apostles elected, what number apostle was Paul? Of course, I had enthusiastic kids. So I had anything from he was the first apostle. He was the 10th apostle, and of course one kid said the 18th. <laughs> now we all know that he was actually the 14th. So with 13th being Matthias replacing um, Ju- Ju- Judas, who had uh, hung, and obviously then Paul being the 14th, who was the apostle to the Gentiles. Then we had, what was one of the criteria to be an apostle? And of course, you have to love Jesus to be an apostle, which is true. No, nothing wrong with that. You do definitely need to have that spirit and to have love for, for, for Jesus Christ. Peter alluded to the need to have been a witness of Jesus being resurrected and having been around physically from John's baptism to their present, their present day, which is seen in Acts 1. And of course, although Paul was born in 5 AD, in his case, it helps that Jesus called him personally um, to the service, which is discussed in Acts 9. Who is Stephen? Well, the natural answer to that is Stephen is Sam's dad. Which is true. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Stephen is dad's dad, but Stephen also um, was also called to, by the apostles, 
in what is essentially known as the first charity, he was also was part, he was the first martyr for the faith. And that's seen in Acts 6 and 7. And I hope you guys are just jotting this all down. I'll try and give you a reference at the end to tackle these scriptures because those aren't fundamentally the crisp, those aren't the scriptures we're going to be dealing with today. We're really dealing with what I had to teach at the time. Okay, then, who did everyone believe Saul was? Well, of course, Saul was a murderer and hated God and all the Christians. Well, at this point, I still didn't have everyone's attention. Okay, um, and some of the boys were sniggering at each other, whilst another was making flattering noises through his armpit. <laughs> and so, you know, I tried carefully at that point to tell them that Saul actually loved God very dearly. That so much so that he felt he was doing the will of God by removing all blasphemers. I drew their attention to the Old Testament. And where everyone was called to stone those who blaspheme and call out the Lord's name in vain. And for anybody else who would like to see that, that's Leviticus 24.16. Here were a group of people saying that some man was the son of God. That they followed him and not the true God. So you can understand Saul's position on this. It was now the kids' turn to start asking the questions. If God is in heaven... And his son was on earth at that time. How can they be one person? Good question. What is stoning? <laughs> what happens to our bodies when we die? Do they go to heaven? What about animals? Do they go to heaven? Why do we pray? What and where is hell? Can you get out of hell? <laughs> it's not an option. What if someone who knew or know, and uh, what if someone you know and love goes to hell? Now, that's quite deep, I thought. What if a baby dies? Would they go to hell? If God can be everywhere, why would he not go to hell and take everyone back to heaven? All very excellent questions, I thought, at the time. And uh, once I applauded these kids for having, and the bravery to actually ask. All of which would take more than half an hour to discuss right now. <laughs> and uh, definitely more to explore. And even though my answers may not have been enough to, of an explanation at the time, and perhaps missed the mark in many ways in bringing peace to those inquisitive minds, I realize one thing. That the journey belongs to each and every one of us. Both those kids and everyone on the planet. Answering these questions for the sake of an answer, or even with an answer that makes sense to me, does not allow for genuine appeasement and growth within the individual who is asking these questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Many people of the day today shy away from these sorts of questions. After all, what would others think of me if I asked any of them? Questions like these sorts often lead to hot tempers and high opinions, many arguments, and all seems to lead to factions. You know, I, um, many were with us last week when we, were, we were, had the fortune to, to listen to Tony's sermon. I went over my notes made at the time and what I gleaned from the message, so I hope Tony doesn't kill me for what I got from the message. But anyway, I reflected on the clever way in which he tied the message together. 
myth-busting beetroot to show that looking after one's health is to be more of a holistic venture. And then his ability to tie this in with a constant use of scripture, bringing about maturity for the soul. Borrowing a badminton racket does not make you a pro at badminton. <laughs> Hence, get advice. Learn. And then pass on what you learned as advice to others. And, of course, an old lock working with a new key. That is when one is tying this into working together in love and peace. We may not all be the same, or even come from the same background. But in Christ, we are able to be one and work together. Today, I hope to extend on the principle of pursuing spiritual maturity and remain young at heart and pursue the answers to those questions in your heart to ensure that nothing stands in the way of your walk and the choice to be with Christ Jesus. So, perplexing kids' questions aside, I wish to share two takeaways, thoughts, that uh, may provide a sense of security in your decision to be and remain a Christian. Number one, religion ought to be a choice, not a competition. What questions do you need, this is number two, what questions do you need answering to bring you peace? Okay, we're going to start with religion ought to be a choice, not a competition. Now the picture, uh, for those who cannot see the picture um, in our audience, is of a girl and she's holding a map. Now that map could be one of many things, but I'm going to try and surmise that it's one of two. One being a map of perhaps her life to come. Maybe it's, uh, and that's why the illustrator actually used the girl instead of boy, because boy just lives from rugby match to rugby match and soccer match. So, <laughs> so ultimately, it must be a girl then, because she's already at the age of five, got a wedding dress pictured. So, um, so being a girl, she's now got this lifestyle that has been set aside before her, where she feels that... Um, She's going to have a house. It's going to be in a certain neighborhood. She'll have a specific spouse and probably even has got the name of that spouse already sussed out. She will have a dog or a cat and know the dog or cat. So she'll know exactly what car she's going to drive and it's going to be sorted. That or perhaps that map is just a guideline of a religion she's been brought up in. And in front of her, she's got this post, this signpost. And on that signpost is a lot of directional arrows with a whole lot of symbols representing a whole lot of religions. And she's come to that crossroads in her life and she's wondering, well, I've got this map. If it's a lifestyle, anybody would be foolish to think that a religion does not affect your lifestyle and lifestyle choices going further. Doesn't matter what religion you would follow. Also, if it was a, uh, if she did have a religious map, that she, now she's now gone into the big wide world and she's going to these schools where they're teaching other religions. Or maybe, maybe she's facing different people at work with different opinions and different religions. That's going to have some form of effect on her life. How will this alter her lifestyle? I find it peculiar that those, and this is going to have to read this because I, I, this, this, this is a little like a Peter picked Piper Pickles tongue twister for me. Go for because I, I came up with this and I thought this is so true, but no ideas am I going to get this right. Oh, so well. I find it peculiar that those fighting for freedom of religion end up being the advocates campaigning against the beliefs of the very religious freedoms they claim to support. 
So I don't know if anyone got that because I didn't. Um, so this, this in its own advocates its own religion. Alright, one where no religious beliefs are allowed or tolerated due to the foundational claims they make or are deemed imposed on others. But only those beliefs that support that which brings a range of alternative beliefs as the only way allowed. <laughs> and that's some claim of freedom of religion. So, I think that is in the wrong place, and it is, but that's fine, we'll... Well, there is supposedly a slide that is in between this one, which is John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is a straightforward statement. One amongst many where Jesus states He is the Son of God and is the only way to salvation. In context of free religion though, Jesus is not free to say He is the only way. Christians are not allowed to share their faith, which the Christian faith is all about. However, one is free to follow Christianity. Again, a rather large topic with many supporting scriptures and loads of discussion and we can definitely take that offline. I would like to share what C.S. Lewis, Lewis thought of Jesus. And I'm not going to crane my neck, so I'm going to see if I can read it this way. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet. And call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Jesus' statement is also a very scary choice to consider. Choice to believe this as a fact. And that becomes a giant leap forward. In a very specific religion. No one should tell you that Jesus is Lord. Jesus said that himself. Read the truths presented around this and discover the miracles presented to support this and continue on this journey that brings that relationship to life between you and Jesus. Choose not to believe this and do not take a leap towards Christianity. No one should ever put a gun to your head and say, follow Jesus or else. It is not a competition to see how much better one religion is over another. No matter how badly a person may represent a religion, and believe me, I think we are all Christians and we probably are still all sinners. Don't judge the gospel of God on what I do. In Acts 13, 46-47, it says, Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. And he's talking to the Jews. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. 
His message was simple. He had told them it was their choice. Their choice to reject the scriptures. Understand this. It was their choice to consider themselves unworthy of eternal life. The message translation puts it like this. But Paul and Barnabas didn't back down. Sounds American. To stand up. Sorry. Sounds cowboy. Back down. Standing their ground, they said, It was required that God's word be spoken first of all to you, the Jews. But seeing that you want no part of it, you've made it quite clear that you have no taste or inclination for eternal life. The door is open to all the outsiders. And we're on our way through it, following orders, doing what God commanded when He said, I've set you up as light. You've proclaimed salvation to the four winds and seven seas. For those who can't see the slide, this is two gentlemen sitting in a pub. A spade is a spade. But if we're supposed to call a spade a spade, how come it's in the thesaurus? It's a good question. A spade is a spade. There is no other meaning for this. But often people will find and try to find meaning to bring comfort to suit their lifestyles. You know, I had a client to Dartford last year. Um, it was around about November time. And I was coming from the north, around about the, the Oxford side. So I had to go over the Dartford Bridge. Now, it was quite late at night. Uh, I was getting there at about 10, 11 at night. So I, as I was coming over the bridge, I got kind of mixed because I've never been to that side of the town. And I kind of, somehow in all the traffic circles, because there's not many of them here, I went down to tunnel and I went back to the other side. I thought, oh my word, nuts. Let's go around. And I went back over the bridge. Of course, I uh, didn't know anything about the toll. And there's not many signs up saying there's a toll. I wish there was just a gate you go through and put the toll money in, then I would have been okay. I went to work about three days later and I explained my journey and how hilarious it was and getting lost. It wasn't funny at the time. But um, the guys told me straight. They said, look, you're going to have to pay a toll. So I didn't know about it. So I said, okay, no worries. I googled it and I paid. I paid my six pounds. About a few months ago, I was getting this final demand. It was over 290 pounds each way. Wow. And I thought, what the heck is going on here? I was outraged. I started pulling out payments and proof of payments. And I phoned my bank and I got this little unique ID saying that I'd paid. And I pushed it all in an email over to the Dartford Crossing guys. Of course, the Dartford Crossings come back just with one simple answer. That's yeah, all good, mate, but you paid the wrong thing. So I paid one of these erroneous websites. So it didn't matter how much proof and whatever you it didn't matter, you know. But after I, you know, I was broken obviously and I thought this was a bit extreme. I had a good chat with them, so um, it's not as bad as you would think. But let's take a closer look at this. As it was my first time in the area, in this country, doing this sort of thing and hearing that I had to pay, should I not have asked the person where do I go to pay? Shouldn't I have gotten advice? It was my choice to just Google it and pay randomly. So I should have actually gotten a little bit more uh, advice on that one. Also, had I actually read the notice properly that it arrived a few weeks after at my old address where we used to live, I may have been moved to uh, pay it. But actually, I took it as one of those, you can ignore this if already paid warning. So I didn't really read it because of what I've paid. So I don't have to read this thing. Of course... We had moved. 
And, had a, and in our move earlier this year, I missed all the additional notifications, warnings, threats, lawyers, watchdogs. And even, even though Bronwyn, rightly, my wonderful wife, rightly said to me, Ian, you know what, why don't we just put a forwarder at the post office on our old house? And I said, no, Bron, we electronic age here. <laughs> well, I paid the 10 pounds. <laughs> and nobody even knew we were in the country. I mean, we've only been here for a year, right? I mean, what's that all about? The government knows. <laughs> so, ultimately, uh, if I, now, at the end of the day, paying more attention, asking questions, following the correct moving protocol would have actually saved us a load of angst and of course my pocket. The fact of the matter remains. I am facing the consequences for the choices I made. I cannot undo the past. What is done is done. The piper has come to collect I believe that one has to be open to the idea that the converse applies in Christianity as well. Should the gospel of God be truth, why should one be baffled with its claim? At, persons, at, at a person's own choice, making it quite clear that they have no taste or inclination for eternal life, through the requirements laid out in the gospel of Jesus, the word that became flesh, why question the prospect of ending up without God after leaving this world, after spending a lifetime on this earth, not wanting to be with God? This is not unlike Pascal's wager, um, as Malcolm so kindly shared with us one Friday evening many moons ago, to wage your bet and rather just be safe on the air on the safe side and be a Christian. But I came up with the following quote. I googled it just to see if perhaps it had been used before, and it hasn't, so there's no plagiarism. And I did not find it anywhere. I hope you like it. Choice is a very precarious notion. A concept that if you whisper too loudly, it may just disappear in the fog of opinion, popularism, and peer pressure. This brings me to the two takeaway thoughts, or number thought, number two, should I say. What questions do you need answering to bring you peace? And I'm going to leave it on that slide for now, but it's actually, I should have left it on the blank. If I were to sum up what I would like to share today in a, in a title, if you will, or a, some sort of a caption, I hope it would simply spell out being a kid and the questions they ask. What a remarkable quality that is found in a child. Their ability to trust and accept what you say. I'm going to share about my daughter's run with health at the moment. I'm not going to break up and stay stable. Um, my daughter, my younger daughter was diagnosed at the age of four with um, type 1 diabetes. Now many people will say, yeah, so, you know, a lot of people get diagnosed with diabetes throughout their life. What, what are you trying to say here, Ian? The thing is, though, people diagnosed at an older age may be able to ascertain what the difference is in their body, what's happening, what's going on. Um, they'll be able to manage it a lot easier and not necessarily have to depend on or rely on other people. At age four, though, 
You do not know why all these older people who are three times your size are bullying you and poking needles into your arms and your legs and your buttocks over seven to eight times a day. In fact, the first week in hospital, my daughter, towards the injection time, would either hide under the hospital bed, she actually was caught running out the ward. Um, she really, it was, it was a tragic time for us, it was a tragic time for her at this age. But I think what really upset her the most is, it's not just any grown-up, it's also her parents, mm -hmm. who are supposedly loved ones, mm -hmm. and that are doing this to her. I think it takes an immense amount of bravery, but I also think it takes an immense amount of faith. And to trust that those who love you are doing this because they love you. Our older daughter is also struggling with ADHD. Whilst one may understand that this is more common in today's time, for my older daughter, seeing the attention granted to her sister and needing that attention herself can be misconstrued as an unloving step. She too has had to adopt a huge level of faith and trust that we love them both equally despite their health challenges. The balance a child seems to have mastered is to ask the difficult questions but have the knack for accepting the even more difficult answers on faith and to trust the person that provided the answer. As we expect children to trust us, we as God's children need to trust and have faith in Him through life's difficulties and its challenges that we face. I do find it peculiar when I'm asked if I'm a Christian. I, when I answer, yes, it's usually sure, but are you a born-again Christian? I do not see this in the Scriptures myself. You are either a Christian or you are not a Christian. To be a Christian is to be born again, as Nicodemus found out one evening from Jesus. The underlining principle is to take your old self with it, all its sinful ways, and crucify it in baptism, representing the burial of that old self, and to become born again of the Spirit. If you are born, you are new to that which you are born to. Thus, you are a child. Like a child, one should then adopt that childlike innocence and seek out the truth, accepting in faith that which they find. Tying this in with the message I tried to import in part in the beginning today with that preteen class, no one could explain this more than Paul himself within his conversion story. We're going to read now Acts 22, 1 to 21. Brothers and fathers, Listen now to my defense. When they heard him speaking uh, to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this very city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as the high priest and the council can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. 
About noon, as I was coming near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a divine observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. You will be a witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. I hope it's all there. It's fitting. Okay, I hope you can see it. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately, because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing them. Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. You know, there's much to unpack here. And I hope that each one of you will take the time to wrestle with some of what has been said already. I love this passage. The passage can only be true. Even to those who do not accept Christianity, Paul was a real person, recorded in history as a person persecuting another sect. You can't make this stuff up, even if you tried. What floors me, though, is Paul's humility to accept that all he knew, believed in, would die for, as being incorrect, and willing to totally discard it. Yes, one could argue, if what happened to Paul on the road Damascus, to Damascus happened to them, they too would come about full circle and drop all other their core beliefs just to follow Jesus. Another compelling argument for Christianity, aside from having witnesses of this event, would be why would anyone, including Paul, make up a story like this? Coming from persecuting Christians to their death, to upholding that very belief with the same real threat from the Jews having the power at the time to take his life and then to boldly present his story in front of those whom end up shouting rid the earth of him he is not fit to live these types of radical changes are only really reserved for movies right if you think about it X-Men 2 where one can skin change like a mutant, mystique, and impersonate someone else to change their opinion and the course of justice. Either way, whether God appears to anyone as a blinding light, personally, 
or taking Paul's documented and witnessed account as what it is, accurate and true, the case for Christianity is quite compelling. With the Gospel of Mark being recorded at the first uh, of the Gospels, and it was penned down around about AD 55, the conversion of Paul the Apostle, an event in the life of Paul the Apostle, that led him to cease persecuting early Christians and to become a follower of Jesus, is normally dated at around 33, AD 33 to 36. The references are on the board, including Google, if you've noticed. One has to admire Paul's ability to bring the Old Testament to bear as his only available source as the unrefutable truth that the Jesus that we know is both Christ and Messiah do all roads lead to God? emphatically not Paul is our conversion miracle proof here is a man who followed the old covenant converted to a new covenant provided by the one and only God that states if one does not follow the new covenant in Jesus Christ, as Jesus himself says, they will not see the Father. That being the case, what is the case for the freedom of religion movement? In conclusion, it is always there for the taking. Answers are just waiting to be snatched up. Faith comes from hearing the word, reading the word, immersing yourself. And answers will come. Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Are we all able to be like Paul? And be willing to forgo any past misconceptions? Are we able to be the child and revert to the humble enthusiast, eagerly seeking out truth in earnestness. God promises that he will be found by those who seek him. Matthew 7. Truth be told, I don't know what questions you have for me today. I don't even know what questions you have for yourself. It's something that you do need to reflect upon. I do believe, however, that they are worth asking and need to be shared. I leave you with these two points. Don't let anyone take away your choice to be a Christian. Ask the questions you need answering to bring you that peace. Thank you very much for your